You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we're going to talk about Christian McCaffrey getting hella paid and what it means for the Packers in their search to keep Aaron Jones on the roster. Maybe they don't want to keep Aaron Jones on the roster. We'll discuss that coming up. And also, I wrote a piece for Acme Packing Company about this receiver class and some key statistical indicators that offer some insight on how we should view this draft class. We're going to get to all of that Coming up a little bit later on in the show, I want to remind everyone that the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special is officially underway, so be sure to check out the Mock Draft every day this week on Locked On NFL. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow Locked On NFL on Spotify. Of course, the Packers pick comes up later in that process, so uh, you can you can get all the, the wind-up, the lead-up to that. And the top picks right down to the last pick of the first round. And we're going to be doing that all week. Uh, I was very happy with how the board broke for me in that draft. And I think you will be too. On Monday night, we found out the Carolina Panthers extended star running back Christian McCaffrey. He will get $16 million a year on a four-year $64 million deal. That sets the market, or resets the market in this case, at the running back position. Now, Christian McCaffrey is, by nearly all accounts, the best running back in football. And so the next contracts that come up are probably not going to hit quite that level, but someone like Aaron Jones is probably going to get more than, let's say, Austin Eckler got. Austin Eckler with the Chargers got a four-year, $24 million deal. That's $6 million a year. That means Christian McCaffrey is getting two and a half times what Austin Eckler is getting. I don't have to tell you, Christian McCaffrey is not two and a half times the player that Austin Eckler is. Derrick Henry got about $10 million on the franchise tag this year. Kenyon Drake got 8.5 on the transition tag. Melvin Gordon got two years, 16 in free agency this year. These are all data points Green Bay will use in negotiations with Aaron Jones. And Jones is going to say, look, I deserve the Christian McCaffrey money, especially if he repeats his season from 2019. And look, he's going to be heavily featured in this offense. There's no question about it. Now, would Matt LaFleur like to broaden the load at the running back position? Sure, he would. Is Green Bay going to draft a running back in the draft? Almost certainly. And will the additional 
receivers that they've taken and that they will take. You bring in Devin Funchess, you get Equinemius St. Brown back healthy, and they're almost certainly going to use a top 100 pick on a receiver. Does that lessen the statistical impact that someone like Aaron Jones makes? If you're the Packers, you're going to say, look, Melvin Gordon turned down $10 million a year and got on the open market and found that the market for running backs is not what it used to be. Not everyone is going to get the Le'Veon Bell contract. Not everyone is going to get the Todd Gurley contract. And even the team that gave the Todd Gurley contract regretted it almost immediately. The Jets have to regret the Le'Veon Bell contract almost immediately. And so you're going to say, look, if you're Russ Ball, look, Aaron, uh, we, we think you're a hell of a player, but $16 million is too much. Melvin Gordon, who is a former first-round pick, a highly regarded player, productive his whole career in, in San Diego slash L.A., and he only got two years 16. Now, he's had injuries, but so is Aaron Jones. We're talking about a guy who's really just had one season of big-time production in the NFL. It's not like he's a lock to continue to both stay healthy and stay this productive. So the pitch from Green Bay is going to be, you're better than Austin Eckler, so more than six. But we can tag you, and it's ten. We can transition you, and it's eight and a half. If you want four years on this then let's get in that eight, eight and a half range and make something work. Because that is the place where it makes sense. From pro football focus, right? Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs in 2020 will each make less APY than Christian McCaffrey at 16 million. But they will create double the wins above replacement of the best running back in football. When we talked about the total points metric, we talked about the impact that running backs have and how much lower it is. Now, we saw the impact of Aaron Jones on this offense last year, but even the best running backs do not impact the game the way that top receivers do. So if a top receiver is going to get 16, 18, you know, in that Amari Cooper 20 million range, then a running back really can't justify getting more than 8 or 10. That's the top end if you're the Packers. If Aaron Jones wants to go above that, for as much as he is a beloved teammate, a great guy, and a great player, the value for running backs just isn't there monetarily. That investment doesn't make sense. And the problem for Aaron Jones, if there is a problem, it's that he doesn't really have any leverage. When his contract is up, he can be tagged. Green Bay has the leverage here. So if you're the Packers, you're saying, why would we pay you more than what the tag would cost this year or next year or the year after that even? I mean, if the Panthers had just stayed put, paid Christian McCaffrey his fifth-year option, and then tagged him twice, he would still have cost less than this extension. There's no reason to do these deals early. Todd Gurley got his deal a year early. This is not a year early. This is on time for an extension if you're, if you're the Panthers. He's going into year four. 
And so then you're you're going to get that year five option plus the the two tag years, and it's going to cost you less money, and you're still going to get the running backs prime. So if you're Aaron Jones and what you want is longer term security, then you may have to go under those tag numbers. If Green Bay can go four thirty four, four thirty six, you know you get that eight million dollar a year number or a little bit above that. You know even you get to nine. That's workable. The problem for the Packers is if they want to keep him, they still have to sign Kenny Clark. He's going to get a mega deal. They have to make a decision on David Bakhtiari. He's going to get a mega deal whether he signs in Green Bay or elsewhere. I expect them to try and keep David Bakhtiari. Those are the kind of guys you pay. I expect them to try and keep Kenny Clark. That's the kind of guy you pay. They still have to deal with Corey Lindsley. Whether or not they're going to keep him, I think there's a good chance that they take a, an interior offensive lineman on day three this year, and he and Lucas Patrick, they compete for the center job moving forward. This is Corey Lindsley's last year with the Packers, and we just look at it that way. Green Bay's got a lot of salary to dole out next year, and you've also got jumps for Aaron Rodgers, for Zadarius Smith, and you could even work out an extension with Devontae Adams, who is now looking underpaid. Aaron Jones could just get lost in the shuffle if he's not willing to understand what the market is out there. That other guys who are really good players are not getting these top-of-market deals. You're looking at the Panthers. They've got a new owner. They've got a new coach. They have a different incentive structure. Green Bay doesn't have that. This is a front office with stability, with a quarterback that they're paying huge money for, and they're trying to win Super Bowls. If you want to be a part of the deal, you got to get in where you fit in. That's going to be Green Bay's perspective. I hope Aaron Jones gets paid, and I hope he gets the money that he's worth. I think the reality that we have to start accepting for these players, though, is that in terms of on-field value, running backs are just not as valuable as they used to be. And that sucks if you're a running back. It does. Again, I want I want all of these guys to get paid. They put their bodies on the line. No one takes more hits than running backs, but that's part of the reason why they're risky investments. And, and so I want them to get compensated fairly. I want them to get what they're worth. I want them to secure the bag, as it were. But if they want long-term flexibility especially you want long-term flexibility from a team like Green Bay, who's not just going to throw money around, then understand what the market is telling us about these running backs. Teams are loath to put together long-term contracts unless they're at lower money dollars. And if you want the longer term, then do it that way. If you want to bet on yourself year after year, you want to be Kirk Cousin, Take those tags until teams can't afford them anymore or decide they're not worth it anymore and move on and see if you can get another mercenary deal. Maybe that's what Melvin Gordon keeps doing. Maybe that's what Derrick Henry keeps doing. Maybe the Cardinals tag Kenyon Drake again. I mean, these are all options. But if you want longer-term security, then I think these running backs are going to have to start realizing that teams are not going to pay them $10, 12 $14 million unless you're Christian McCaffrey. And speaking of finding value, it can be tough to find good food for delivery. And especially in this time when we're delivering so much more food to our houses, our apartments, wherever we are, 
that finding that Goldilocks zone of value can be tough. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need, and you need it fast. That's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. I love food, which is why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door, and they don't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery, convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So make life easier on yourself right now, especially you're indoors, you're trying to keep everyone else around you safe, get the food that you want, even in these crazy times with Postmates. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within an hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery for your first seven days on the app. To start your free delivery, download the app and use promo code LOCKEDONNFL. That's code LOCKEDONNFL for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days. I cannot emphasize this enough. 100 free dollars in delivery credits when you download the Postmates app and enter the promo code locked on. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. So I wrote this piece for Acme Packing Company because I was up late and I don't know if, if you're like me, uh, sleep has been something that has been a little bit scarce for me. So I was I was up late. And I was looking at a lot of different things, some stats, and you know, I, I was going through my receiver rankings, and I, I'm I'm lower on Henry Ruggs than a lot of people, and I wanted to explain why to a certain degree, but I also wanted to provide a lens through which we could view this receiver class. There are these two statistics that are common in the dynasty fantasy football realm that are related to NFL draft evaluations. And I don't know that they're commonly understood among even just casual NFL fans, even some hardcore NFL fans, but they allow us to look at future productivity and find athletic profiles, statistical profiles. There is more in college production in terms of projection than I think a lot of people want to say. The tape grinders, and I'm someone, by the way, who is one of those people. I'm a tape grinder. I watch everything, and I study it, and I try and learn through it. But I also believe in statistical-based evaluations for almost everything. And there is really good data to suggest that college dominator and breakout age are two important checkpoints in the pre-draft evaluation of receivers. College dominator, what is it? All right, well, this was created by Frank DuPont, and it is essentially a measure of what share of passing game productivity a receiver created. Targets, catches, touchdowns. What share of the passing game was your production. That's dominator. Okay. So I just wanted to look at receivers, let's say over the last five years, in the last five years, 52 NFL receivers 
have put up 1,000-yard seasons. Of those 52, 50 of them actually played receiver in college. The other two, Terrell Pryor and Julian Edelman. Only five of those 50 had a dominator percentile below average, below the 50th percentile. Mike Williams, Doug Baldwin, Jeremy Macklin, G.J. Chark, Tyreek Hill. Five out of 50. So if you are a, if you're only creating 20% of the passing game offense in college, the chances of you becoming a successful NFL player are essentially nil. That's how key this statistic is. Okay, breakout age, exactly what it sounds like. And the earlier, the better. Only four of those 50 guys with 1,000 yards had a below-average breakout age. Michael Thomas, John Brown, Tyrell Williams, and Brandon Marshall. Not a single first-round pick in that bunch. Now, Michael Thomas turned in to maybe the best receiver in the NFL, and Brandon Marshall turned into one of the best. John Brown was a very good deep threat and still is, and Tyrell Williams is a useful NFL player. So these are key statistics. They're key indicators for us. Henry Ruggs, for example, and this is how this all started, the only player to ever have 1,000 yards receiving who actually played receiver in the NFL who had a below-average dominator and breakout age is Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill never broke out, and his college dominator was very bad. Now, Tyreek Hill was a fifth-round pick. Henry Ruggs III is expected to be a top 15, at worst, top 20 pick. I'm not here for it. I'm not into it. He's very fast, and yes, he played with a lot of talent around him, but his success, particularly in the first round, would be unprecedented and I'm just not comfortable if he were there at 30 I would I would think about it I would think hard about it just because of what that speed could be in this offense but I do not have him in the top 30 prospects in this draft I have a a bunch of receivers ahead of him because those numbers are scary the risk profile is elevated none of that is to say don't draft him It's not to say that if you don't have a great dominator ranking that you are undraftable, you don't have a great breakout age that you shouldn't be a a top 100 pick. It just means that this is a potential risk addition. It's not even a red flag. It's sort of a yellow flag. It's a yellow light. Proceed with caution. What's the caution flag in racing? I don't know. doesn't matter. All right, so let's use this on this draft class. Of the top receivers in the class... Just three failed the dominator test. Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and Van Jefferson. Well, two of those receivers are going to go before Green Bay picks. That's good for Green Bay because those are risky players going ahead of them, guys that they don't pick. Okay, it probably also suggests Van Jefferson comes down the board a little bit. Donovan Peoples-Jones also fails the dominator test. Now, age non-qualifiers. This becomes a little bit more complicated for the Packers because Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, and Devin DuVernay miss age qualifying. They do not 
make the breakout age average. Now, they do hit the dominator marks. So if you're talking about guys who are going to be secondary receivers, in that case, who cares if they get 1,000 yards? If Brandon Ayuk plays with Devontae Adams for the next four years and Aaron Rodgers, and he maxes out at you know a guy who catches 50 balls for 860 yards and eight touchdowns, who cares if he never gets to 1,000? You want a really good secondary receiver. That doesn't need to be your wide receiver one. So for the Packers, it, it is a little bit less important, but it is something to keep in mind. It also could potentially elevate some of these other guys who do hit those checkpoints. CeeDee Lamb probably going to be out of reach for Green Bay, but Justin Jefferson hits the checkpoints. Jalen Rager, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, LaVisca Chenault, K.J. Hamler, Brian Edwards, Tyler Johnson, Gabriel Davis, and Quintez Cephas. Potential top 100 receivers. Guys Green Bay could have interest in. Let's take this to the next level. Let's now overlay the Packers' athletic preferences on the statistical evaluation. Okay, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, LaVisca Chenault, Brian Edwards, Tyler Johnson, Gabriel Davis. So at 30, Jefferson, Rager, Mims, where does the Chenault injury put him? Probably a little bit further down. Second, day two type players, Chenault, Edwards, Tyler Johnson, Gabriel Davis, probably a late day two, early day three type player. Now Rager, maybe we can quibble about Rager if we're going to count his pro day. On video, I think it's closer to what he looks like on tape, so I'm going to count it because I want to because I like him as a player. I'm going to be the confirmation bias guy. I'll live. For me, it vaults Rager back into the conversation. And and frankly, he never left for me, but I, I did not discuss him as much on this show because of those agility times at Indianapolis. Didn't think he'd be one of Green Bay's types, but I've, I've come all the way back around all of the checkpoints, the physical checkpoints, the statistical checkpoints, he's the guy. If Justin Jefferson is not there, it's Jefferson, Joshua Jones, Jalen Rager. Those are my dudes at 30. And if it has to be someone else, it has to be someone else. But those are the guys that I'm looking at for Green Bay at 30. As we wrap up here, some interesting news Coming out on Monday, Tom Pelissero reporting that there will be some version of OTAs, organized team activities, and it's going to be via face call of some sort, whether it's FaceTime or Zoom or Skype or Google Chat, whatever it is. Uh, club facilities are going to remain closed, but starting Monday, April 20th, teams will be allowed to have virtual work. So no on-field work until all 32 clubs can open their facilities. If one team cannot open, so let's say, you know, the governor has not given the all-clear and facilities, you know, the, the social distancing and all of those, those restrictions in place. If one team cannot, that means all teams cannot. But there are going to be accommodations made so that teams can continue to work out with these guys, can have contact with them, can give them, you know, whether it's drills to do or specialized workouts. This is critical time, especially for young players. Pros know what they're doing. Veterans, they know what this work is about. Green Bay's got millions in bonuses tied up in this work. They like to incentivize these veteran players to come to OTAs to set an example for young players. It's one reason I think 
that Green Bay has been so successful at creating a culture, but also so successful at player development because they've had veterans who show the young players what it, what it is to be and work like an NFL vet. Now, they're not going to be able to do that in this circumstance, but at the very least, you will still have the team being able to communicate with its players even though the facility is not open. And so, you know, it might be the case you give Zadarius, Preston, Rashawn, Gary, all those guys, uh, you know, workouts to do. They could get on. They could get on Zoom and do them together, push each other. You get on FaceTime, and and push each other and work. No rule says they can't do that. Now, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you can't throw to Devontae Adams in social distancing. You can't quarantine those kinds of reps, but you can be communicating on playbook stuff. You can be talking about all that stuff because this is the offseason and that's allowed. It's just we didn't know what the amount of communication between the team and the players would be at this point. This gives us some clarity. We should have some additional information in the coming days about what the Packers' plans will be, other teams, their plans as well, probably hear from some players about how this is all going to work. Um, and, and I will try and get some more information on that as best I can, something we will be working on. All right, more to come as the NFL draft approaches. We're just a little over a week now away, and I'm working my way through the, the edge rushers, something we're going to talk about. I want to talk about the running backs before we get to next week and, and the draft. I want to talk about offensive tackles next week as well and get all the big positions out of the way. So we've talked enough about the receivers. I want to talk about some of the other players that and, and positions that Green Bay could be targeting. Send me what you want to talk about. If you want to talk about a specific position, not guys, but position that you want to talk about, send it to me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Send it to the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can send me a DM. You can send me a note on the Locked on Packers fan hotline. But before you do that, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. Play it on your your smart device, your your Bluetooth device, whether it's Alexa, whether it's your Google Home. Great options, especially if you are at home and you've got stuff to listen to. We all have stuff to listen to these days. I'm so behind on podcasts. That's why we try and keep these short. So I want to be short and to the point, which means I need to know what the point is. You tell me what you want to hear, which position groups you want to hear about before the NFL draft, and we will get to them. And you can also, this is easy, send me a note on the Locked On Packers fan hotline. You can do that, 920-341-3775, to stay Locked On Packers.